coming to you live from the offices of Aurora Geosciences in Yellowknife Northwest Territories. It's the Amazing Race Canada Season 7 Wrap Up. And now, here are the folks who are ready to break the ice or at least go underneath it. Jessica Lease and Dan Heaton. Hello, Dan. Hello. I wonder now if a team or... I wonder now if people that like the show a lot are going to go find that Aurora Geosciences and like take a picture in front of it now. Well, I think it's kind of hard to get up to Yellowknife and I don't know how many people are up there anyway, but I know that if I were there, I certainly would. And I definitely imagine that their website got a lot of hits this week. Yeah. So this was a fun leg, right? I I, I fun is a word. I'd also say just nuts. I mean, this is what happens when you go outside of a city and do some different things. Crazy stuff happens. Yeah, this was such a departure, I think, from the first three legs that this was very exciting. And it was a lot of different things. And we had a lot of there's a lot to unpack here. We had so many instances of behavior that maybe on the surface doesn't feel totally above board. But when you check it out, it's totally within the rules of Amazing Race. But I saw somebody tweet to you specifically, Dan, that any person with a Jones for early season action found a lot to like about this leg because you had cab stealing. You had you had running out of money. You had lots of rivalries. You had epic meltdowns at tasks. You had really terrifying things that people were legitimately afraid to do. And you had a team run away from a task in the middle of the task to go get help from strangers. There's so much in there that just it felt like it wouldn't have been out of place in like season two or three of Amazing Race US. Yeah. And it was really fun because you know, one or two of these things would be a good leg. It'd be fun. And to have like seven of them happen at once. And I agree. The the thing about it is with the early seasons, too, there weren't that many seasons. So teams hadn't like studied it and the show hadn't really studied it. So you felt like just weird stuff would happen. And I think, too, going to somewhere like Yellowknife versus, you know, Edmonton or Toronto or wherever is that that exacerbates that because like you say, all it takes is a small thing and a team can just be like walking down a road with no people anywhere. And I loved it. I just, I really like the idea of they really, and I say put them through the ringer. I don't mean like we're overly mean to the racers, but really kind of put the screws to them a little bit. Just some things completely out of the race's control and other things that weren't. It was just fun to see them do plus Four tasks and none that I just kind of rolled my eyes at and went, oh, that's dumb. That's pretty good. Yeah. Best leg so far, do you think? Oh, yeah. And I think part of it is just the weird stuff happenings. But I think also just the design. I mean, normally I don't love the cabs having such a big role, but just because I don't think you can have them driving around Yellowknife. I, I suspect that they didn't want to mess with that. But that did lead to some just craziness. And I think by far, yeah, the premiere was good. I think there was a lot to like there, but this is definitely well above the last two legs in design and also in just good results in terms of just kind of fun weirdness. A hundred times better than last week. Oh, sure. Uh, and honestly, I'm surprised that we would say best leg all season to a non-elimination leg. Like we haven't even talked about that. We didn't even get to see anybody go home. We don't have that catharsis at the end of the episode and we didn't need it because so much happened here. So 
I don't know, Dan, where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about the cabs? I think that's probably the top story. Judging by the responses and questions we got, and even some of the tweets I got kind of as the race was coming out and then when people were watching it, this especially to give a little background. Last week, you know, both Jess, you and I were very complimentary of our enjoyment of Dave and Arena. And we did get a little pushback. I got a little pushback on Twitter. There are others that were rather, rather upset that we were enjoying Dave and Arena. And I'm just saying, I can't control my feelings. This is how I feel about a team. And I just knew after that, that then they were going to get in a lot of trouble this week, I think. So it seems fitting. But, you know, in a weird way, my feeling about it is, is they did not start the leg intending to create all this havoc. It was really they got knocked out of their comfort zone, kind of like an international leg would do. And that kind of is what started it. But I know I'm kind of jumping ahead a bit. I guess the first step is them very on them making a mistake, right, Jess, where then they didn't keep their cab there. And that's really what kind of started them down this path. Yeah, but let's zoom out even further than that, Dan. Let's look at the big picture here. Yellowknife is a town, I think to call it a city would be charitable, of 20,000 people. And it is in the middle of literal nowhere. There's nothing else around. It is the biggest town for quite a large radius around it. And there is not a lot of call in a town of that size for taxi cabs in day-to-day life. In a big city, you're going to have more taxi cabs. But when you go someplace like Yellowknife, you're going to assume most of the time that you have your own vehicle or someone there is going to drive you where you're going. And you don't necessarily have a lot of need for there to be a lot of cabs. Pretty much, I mean, I grew up in a town even smaller than this. And we had two taxis in town that mostly worked at night picking up drunk people that couldn't drive themselves home. And I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that's probably what most of the taxi cab business is in Yellowknife. So to come there and there may be a bit more than that because I know there's a lot of coming and going with all of the geology happenings, but I would say there's probably not a lot of cab drivers that just kind of tool around the city all day, every day, and know all of the points of interest and really kind of serve as tour guides in that sense. And so you don't necessarily have a cab driver in the sense that you might have a cab driver in a larger place. So I think that may have contributed to some of the cab confusion we had, some of the difficulty in getting the cabs for starters. You can't really, you can't exactly street hail in Yellowknife. And also in terms of all of the dropping the cabs and picking up the cabs, it was, I think it was more complicated because it's not a cab city is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I agree. You even saw that first time when everyone went to get their cabs and Arthi came out of it like that was intense. And we know we only saw a little bit of it. But my expectation is there was probably a lot more involved with trying to secure taxi drivers. And that also might play into the fact that the cab drivers, if there's not a lot of you know ability to get people may have been more willing to just if somebody says, I'll pay you double or whatnot or whatever, willing to drop people 
and get someone else. It's a little weird they didn't want to stay, but I think that was Dave and Arena's probably not having them stay. But that played a huge role. I'm happy in a sense that it it played a role in creating drama, but didn't really seem... I mean, there was one case where Trish and Amy got left, it seems like, and that really did make a difference in the result. And in a way, it almost makes me feel like it's probably good this was a non-elimination leg, where it could have been... Because if you really diagnosed why... In this case, you know, Trish and Amy ended up um, being last. I know I'm jumping around. It likely mostly had to do with them losing their cab. And also, you know, we'll get into it later with the express pass. But the point is, it creates a lot of variability, which can be not great for the teams, but really good for us as viewers, because it just leads to nutty behavior. And I mean, how many times have we complained about a leg of the amazing race that resulted in a team going home just because they had a cab driver that didn't know what they were doing or they had bad luck finding a cab? We tend not to like that. So I think you're right. I think maybe we like this leg a little bit better because the cab luck wasn't the reason somebody went home, although arguably it might not have been in the first place. But let's just point out that that was probably every single taxi they had in the entire city (laughs) devoted to this. If somebody gets a call that they need to pick somebody up from the airport and they're in the middle of the amazing race, they're going to be less inclined to just wait it out at the task. So I can see where you might be a little more likely to get left. Yeah, for sure. Even if you tell them, hey, wait for us, this guy's like, forget it. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know. So and, and oh, there's so much happening here. I mean, I guess we should zone in a bit on the choice, because I know this is a question a lot of people have. Dave and Arena, you know, they're freaking out because they didn't lift their cab. They're they're just like they have not even been in a situation like this in the first three legs where they've even been that nervous besides when they finished second and Arena was very upset. So they're losing their mind. They're basically like, we've got to get a cab. We got to get a cab. We can't be here. And they end up stealing a cab. So how how do we feel about that move? Well, I cannot condone all of the people getting all up in arms as if this is the first time anybody has ever stolen a cab on this program because cab stealing is a long and time honored tradition. Like this show has been on the air for almost 20 years in various countries at this point, And cab stealing has always been a part of it. Dave and Arena did not invent stealing a cab and it's not against the rules. But I think it's worth noting that they made a mistake at the very top of this leg because there's a certain amount of strategy in thinking ahead a little bit and trying to decide, well, am I going to need to keep my cab or is it okay to let it go? Could I get another one right away? Will I be at this task for four hours or will I be here for 10 minutes? Because if I'm here for 10 minutes, make him wait. If I'm here for four hours, that could be problematic. And I think Dave and Arena just kind of misjudged at the at the front. They were like, oh, well, we could be here for a very long time and it's okay. He can just go. But turns out, no, this was the quick one and you probably needed to keep him. So already I'm surprised at how shook they were by making that mistake and then all of a sudden being in a lot of trouble. And I think that may have led to just like, let's do the quickest, most mercenary thing we can. And you saw like they they really aren't great under pressure, are they? No. And actually, this is something that, you know, was hinted at a little bit or in the first few legs, but not really. They are great front runners. When they are leading, they will continue to lead. Well, I probably we're going to get contradicted by that very quickly later in this leg. But still, especially with how they reacted, I think because 
And you've seen teams do this before where teams come out and I'm not saying this will happen with Dave and arena, win a few legs and then all of a sudden get eliminated. And you're like, what, what happened? And it's because when they, sometimes when they face adversity, a team can get, get freaked out or get, I'm not saying this is going to happen with them because to their credit, they still finished third, but they needed to use a lot of tools. But for them to do that, and obviously Trish and Amy, who had no good luck this time, get their cabs stolen. And then they do it again with Arthi and Thinesh. And it's one of those things where I think once they started, like for this whole leg, they seemed very on edge, I think because of how it started and how they felt like they were fighting from behind. And even when they got back ahead later, they didn't have that same instinct to it. They you know, left a task in two seconds and use an express pass did all kinds of things. So I think, I think that move, it shows it's beyond the right or wrong. Like you said, it shows a potential warning sign for their super long-term viability in the race. Yeah. They slipped up once and I think they, they recovered pretty well, all things considered, but it took a lot of extra chances to get them there and a lesser team that hadn't had the previous successes they had and didn't have the advantages would have been a, would have been at the back of the pack as a result and i think they are still obviously very strong racers but man they have to be at the front of the race I, and it's like if they're not they i'm just repeating what you said now well we've switched places dan <laughs> that's my job this was you all last week um but i want to also talk a little bit about dave and arena as characters because i think there's a little confusion out there in the world liking a team is not the same thing as a team being good is not the same thing as a team being great television is not the same thing as a team that we want to win. And Dan, would you say that either of us really wants Dave and Arena to run away with the whole race? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say we're not necessarily rooting for them to take home the title. But when we say that we're enjoying what they're bringing to the table and that they're good television, I think we can disagree with a lot of things they do and still have that be true. And I think part of the the wonder of Dave and Arena for us is the fact that we see this team on Amazing Race US all the time, but we never see a team like this on Amazing Race Canada. They're bringing this sort of intensity and also this weirdly misplaced sense of what is good sportsmanship. And they say some things that I'm just like, I can't believe that came out of their mouths. That's really kind of awful. And then to have that team be the team that is stealing all of the cabs and they're just kind of in for a penny and for a pound at a certain point. They're like, oh, well, I'm just going to take every cab I see lying around to get me further in this race. It was just such a perfect storm of interesting Dave and Arena interactions, as well as just watching the race kind of close in on them and try to destroy them and have them come out on top. I, I want them to stay in this race, I guess. I don't want them to win. I, they're not my favorite, but I love their energy. I love what they're bringing here. I love the sense of rooting against them, even as I'm rooting for them. I, I don't know how else to explain that. Yeah, I mean, this episode especially, it's like they were just like agents of chaos for this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you steal someone's cab, you steal someone's cab, everything they did. And the other teams, I feel like the other teams were kind of correctly kind of not slowly but deliberately going i mean sarah and sam notwithstanding deliberately kind of going step by step by step by step and you know then you have this like wild card team that is just doing all kinds of crazy stuff and i feel like that there is a flip side where the wild card team 
if the show focuses on them too much, like which has happened in the U.S. where you have a team that all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm done with them. We're not there yet for them. But yeah, I, I agree. I'm not going to repeat everything you said, but I agree <laughs> that I set aside the whole team Dan draft, whatever. But I um I would like to see them on the show for a while. But yeah, I mean, especially with my heart, there are other teams, most of the other teams, basically all the other teams that, you know, that I was pulling for that way. But I'm glad they survived this week, especially because now, too, when we get to the penalty or even stealing cabs, take doing penalties, all that, and then they still finish third. Doesn't she think that might embolden them, too, to do more things like this in the future? Yeah, I think maybe they're playing faster and looser and maybe that ends up being their downfall, because I think we have to assume at this point that Dave and Arena are going to have a downfall like that is out there, right? I think so. I think um, even how we're seeing them now where you get him saying, you know, three firsts will be good. And some of the things there's certain lines which I enjoy, but I mean, I enjoy it as a drama race thing that I look at and I go, you can get away with what they did this leg when there's seven teams, when there's five, when there's four. I don't think so. And you've seen teams that like boringly have kind of trudged their way. Like you think about some of the winners we've had that sometimes just go third, second, first, second, third, second, first, whatever. And they're kind of dull because they're so competent. Most winners of this show have been not last season as much, but some of the winners, especially in seasons three and five, very competent racers, good teams. David Arena are not that. And they also, I think, have a weakness you saw with, you know, there may be, I mean, with her possibly, and I don't want to just pick on her, but what happened with the roadblock here is a could be a problem. It certainly could. And we'll get to the roadblock, I think. Um, I want to point out one more thing about Dave and Arena, and that is, and we've touched on this over the course of the season, that is that they really have no wit whatsoever. I think they do have a sense of humor, but... They occasionally say things that are just like, no, that's not funny. That's just kind of mean. Like there's a point at the roadblock where I think it's Sam is going up to see if his if he's right about his diamonds and he's wrong. And Dave says, good. And it's like that's there's no finesse to that. Like, I, you know, Jet and Dave would have made a meal out of that. And there's just nothing to that. That's not even trash talk. That's just mean. And I feel like that kind of brute force meanness is also it's setting them up like that's just another domino setting them up for the fall. Yeah, I laughed more at, the, at you saying it. But I think I don't remember laughing during the show, but then thinking back, you know, he makes a comment there about like, oh, I bought a diamond and then I bought a bigger diamond when I was world champion. I'm like, yeah, how many times do you think he mentions that he's world champion during each, each leg and they don't show it? But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll it's going to be interesting to see. I know we spent a lot of people that don't like them are like enough on Dave and Arena, but really they're all over the place this leg. So it, th- there's a lot to talk about. This leg was the Dave and Arena show. Show. And you're just going to have to deal with that for three or four more legs until their inevitable downfall. And then we can get back to what is actually happening behind the scenes, I guess. But I think to your point, Dan, when you're talking about how they inject this chaos into it, it's also the Amazing Race is typically you can show up and navigate well and do the tasks and come out on top. But this leg, that was not necessarily true because you had all these other things falling into your path, usually at the hands of David Arena. 
<laughs> yeah, you could be like, okay, I got the clue. I'm all set. Where's my cab? And that happened to two different teams. It's like one of them ended up first, one of them ended up last. But you know, it's it's crazy. It's teams didn't even know where they were at the end. And <laughs> we're getting ahead. I guess we should probably go back to the to the like first task here because if not, I'll we'll just go through every step. And it's probably best to spread out the chaos throughout the episode here but um should we talk about the ice fishing um yeah we can talk a little bit about the ice fishing um i thought that was was entertaining it was specific to the region i think that's always key but there wasn't actually a whole lot of skill to this you just kind of had to handle machinery yeah, it's one of those things where I think the them doing it, it's like you saw a few people say, I've never done this before. Of course, James had done it because he's also kind of picking up the mantle from Jill. Both those guys, Anthony and James, seem to have a lot of abilities in different ways. But for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. The issue was they hadn't cleaned the ice well enough. We did have kind of a really cool camera shot that they did where the camera kind of went in and we saw a fish that I thought was kind of neat. But for the most part, it seemed like there wasn't a huge amount of movement from this task. It was more about just, it was kind of cool too. They had to like take the snowmobiles and everything. It felt very epic, this whole thing, I feel like. It was definitely epic. And it was also a little foreshadowing, given that you had to be on top of the ice for this. And then later on in the leg, spoiler alert, you are going to go underneath the ice. I thought it was it was very full circle in that sense. And also, you know, you're not in a big city when your route marker is in a rotary park. I feel like that is a very small town kind of thing. Like That's how you know it's Amazing Race Canada, because Amazing Race US never sends anybody to a rotary park. <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah, though, I, there's not that much here, but um, but I still liked it because when we didn't spend too much time, you never they didn't overdo the drama. There was no like, are we going to get it? Oh, no, commercial break. It just kind of happened. <laughs> And, you know, like, you know how they would do sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't really need to be fooled, but no one's going to fall on the ice. There's nothing with that. But yeah. So then the interesting thing is they went from here and then went on to a task that's not the same, but reminded me a bit of a task in Amazing Race 30 where they went and dealt with some diamonds. You know, people they had to answer who liked hard rock. But it was a different type of hard rock. Yeah. And this was great because this was very location specific. And it's a rare task that manages to proclaim the place that you are visiting is geologically interesting and then go on to actually be an exciting task that was very difficult. And I feel like this was everything we want because I mean, it, maybe it wasn't the most like telegenic dynamic task because it was just sitting there like looking at very small things but it was it tied into the area really nicely and there was a trick to it that people that figured it out fast got out of there fast and people that could not figure it out were there for a while and i think there was a such a great variance in ability levels like a lot of tasks you go in and it's like oh if you're very physically strong you're gonna just brute force your way through it but this one there's a little bit of a mental trick to it, and it wasn't necessarily a given that the smartest person is even going to be able to figure that out. Yes. <laughs> this is a weird transition from the smartest person. And Dave did the best of anyone. But uh, but basically, the ones who did well, like, and I should also mention Lauren and Joanne's saga, where they started out not being able to get a cab. And then they also were unable to keep their cab and got their last. And then Lauren just rolled through this, as did Dave. And then Sam did very well. But others... 
Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Anthony and James had to use that. They used their express pass because James, the trick was that you could figure out the weights, no problem. But you, the idea of a symbol, that was the hard part, seeing that little symbol. And James really struggled with that. And also Marie really struggled with that. So it was not as easy as it looked. Yeah, it looked like you had to hold the diamond at a certain angle to see that symbol. And I think that was what a lot of people were having trouble with. Although apparently people were having trouble finding the symbol of Canada, which I'm not even Canadian and I would kind of go to Maple Leaf for that right out of the gate. But that's just me. It was not a beaver, which was the other option that one of the, one of the teams brought up. Like a beaver or maple leaf. I'm like, well, you know, last season they did have to jump and grab the beaver, which that sounds a little un- unfortunate. Hey. But <laughs> where's the bell? Um, but basically, I um, I thought it was interesting, too, the way that Anthony and James, I mentioned the Express Pass, that you saw Anthony over there with the Express Pass, like holstered in his pocket. but. They waited until once Trisha and Amy got it right, I thought it was really smart that then they immediately stuck with them because I think if they don't do that, they likely finish last because they that was a case where they would not have been able to make up time and inch past them at the end. And that's the perfect time place to use an express pass because they didn't know it was not elimination. That's like the perfect example contrasting with another example we're going to see a little later. Yeah, I think you use it to save yourself. That's the best use of express pass. And I almost think I would have used it at the point where there's two other teams there so that you have a little more of a padding. But I think it was also, I think, I think James thought he was getting it. And when he realized that, oh no, now we're in last place, I'm definitely not going to get it. That's that's when you deploy it. I have nothing to say bad about their use of the express pass here. And I'm glad that they deployed it when they did. Yeah, because it seemed like they this they've been interesting because I feel like they're very competent racers, but yet they've had situations where like this week or even before that where they're kind of hanging out. They did finish, I believe, third one week, but they're kind of hanging out in the middle which I mean, they could just be one of those teams that pushes forward, but they seem to sometimes get slowed down by by a task like this. But your point is right. I mean, they probably should have used it earlier because they didn't know that they were going to be able to survive by 10 minutes or whatever by the end. But yeah, I mean, I think most teams did well. Dinesh also was very solid, like he's appeared to be pretty much both Arthi and Dinesh have been very solid for the most part, and that's going to help them later on. Yeah, we haven't really seen Anthony and James struggle with anything before this point, but we haven't really actually seen them shine at anything either. So I don't know, like they feel like a very middle of the pack team to me and their finish order has borne that out. But it was interesting to actually see them faced with some actual adversity this this leg and to see them think their way out of it was good. Yeah, I mean, they're both they're both their personalities are kind of laid back, and I think that can be very good on the race. but. It can also like you, like you said, if Dave was over there and they were like had the express pass, I mean, that's a bad example, but somebody that's a little more like even like Lauren and Joanne, for instance, who seem a little more like we, we want to do well in the race or whatever, they might've used the express pass earlier because they're not as laid back. And I think they're very deliberate, which could serve them well. But like you said, it could something like this, they could go out. So, um, so should we move on to roadblock number two? Yes, because I think the first thing we have to talk about is the deployment of the second express pass this leg, because what even was that? I, I can't even with this. This was, this was bad. This was just like, it was terrible strategy. And 
granted, this is one of the most terrifying roadblocks I've ever seen on this show. I'm not going to fault anybody for being afraid of it, but to just look at it and drop the express pass on it immediately when you're way out in front, like, that is inexplicable to me. Yeah, it's odd. And, you know, we've seen cases in the past where teams used express passes like your Hamilton and Michaela. We want to be first and just use it. But in this case, it's a bit different because I feel like I don't think this was just them saying we want to be first because I think it was, I don't know, to me, this is a really bad use of it because she didn't even, they didn't even try. It's like, oh, she doesn't want to be cold. I don't want her to get in the water. Oh, I don't do that. I mean, you had people come up right after them who are like deathly afraid of swimming and water and cold that were able to get through it. So I think, I, I don't quite, I think Arena would have done it. But to me, I look at it and I go, there goes your get out of jail free card. And you used it because you didn't want to get cold and wet. It's hard to defend that. I don't know. It's a tough one. I mean, I will put up all of the possible defenses to this because I think it is worth noting that it was minus 22 out there, which is minus eight Fahrenheit for those of us Yankees. Um, That is cold. That is colder than it gets. I know it's colder than it gets where you are, Dan, and it's colder than it gets most years in New York City. And that's not being outside for any length of time, whether much less be outside in the cold water weather. And I could see where that could be very uncomfortable. And I don't think that yet rises to the levels of I'm in actual danger on this race and I need to deploy my express pass. And I also I wonder about Irina says herself, I could have done this task and she decides not to anyway. And I I wonder if some of this was motivated by they just wanted to have another first place finish. but. It's like that's that's not strategic thinking. And at this point, maybe they don't think there's anything they could run into that they're going to need that pass for. So they might as well just like drop it on something and keep on trucking because I think they do win the leg if they run into a task they can do coming up. And I think they assume at this point they haven't faced any actual adversity apart from like not having a cab and popping on somebody else's cab. But It really seems to me like I'm trying to think about it every possible way. And I still don't think that I would have given up the express pass that easily. Yeah. And it's one of those things. I mean, and I do want to agree with you, like those shots from under the ice. I mean, I'm a swimmer, but I don't swim under ice. So it's like those shots under the ice. They showed people, even if it was a pretty small swim, I'm looking at it going like, that's no joke. Even if you're mildly claustrophobic or whatever, that's not easy. And then you're, you're freezing cold. So I don't want to downplay that and just say, Oh, I'm armchairing or whatever, but you really think about it, especially they didn't know what was coming next, that there was the latitude longitude task coming next that was going to baffle them. But if, if they could have just tried this and done it, and I think she would have done it without a big problem, then they use the express pass on the next one and they finish first. Yes, they already are out of it, out of the because they would have used it on the next one, I would have assumed when they got confused because they took a penalty. I mean, it's a little bit of hindsight and all that, but I mean, they ended up third, so it was fine. But the, like I said the, earlier in the podcast, it's a warning sign and it shows that when you're doing well, I'm not expecting them to have a 30 minute conversation about it, but maybe try once. I don't know. I can't fault anybody for not thinking straight when it's that cold outside. Yeah. 
but True. that's good. But it's also like you're on a race for a lot of money and trucks and a trip. You know, I, I, that doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as you're on a race for a million dollars, but you know, it's the same idea. You're, you're on this ultimate Canadian summer adventure. And I feel like it's incumbent on you to at least try things. And just because you may be slightly uncomfortable, I feel like that's the whole point of the show. So I I don't love this. I, I think I see, I knowing Dave and Irina, knowing what motivates them and getting to know them a little bit these past four legs, I think it had to be that they just assumed whatever they would run into next, they would burn right through and they were gunning for another first place finish. And I think that's all it is. I don't think they gave it any deep thought at all. Um, and so then they run into this task. And I think we should talk a little bit more about some of the other racers and how they encountered this ice task, because I think their reactions are really testament to how truly terrifying this is, because we've seen people have to jump into icy water before. I think this was a task in Amazing Race Canada 1. So it goes back quite a ways. But in those tasks, you pretty much have to get in and get out. You don't actually have to do anything here. And basically this, you had to be keel hauled almost go under the ice and go like deep under. They said three feet of ice. That's ridiculous. That's terrifying. I don't think I would have faced it gracefully for sure. And I, I really respect everybody that did do the task. Oh yeah. I mean, you looked, you could tell how cold, you could see how cold it was on Sarah's face. I mean, just like she was just like shivering. And when they have you put your mouth in the water and stuff, I mean, it was, you could tell by the way that the guy running it was taking it, that this was, I mean, I wouldn't say it was dangerous. Like the show would have made sure that nothing really bad happened to somebody. But the, obviously, when you swim in that kind of cold water, there's always at least some danger to it. And that we don't see that that often on the show. And the fact that you have someone who's, you know, a professional or, you know, an athlete for their job who can handle adversity and everything getting that way. And then for and we saw with Arthi the first time she couldn't even she like basically went under and it wasn't she just like couldn't make herself move. And that that right there showed how hard it was. And I also really enjoyed her exchange, Arthi's exchange with the um with the guy that was helping asking some questions. And now he was just like, well, uh, you got to do it. Don't open your mouth. That's what he said. Don't do that. It's like, if it hurts when you do that, don't do that. <laughs> Should I do that? No, no, you just have to go. Also the, um, how much is a meter? Like, aren't you Canadian? Don't you use the metric system? Yeah. And he holds up his arms and he's like this much at three feet. She's like, I'm four feet. Like, okay. I don't understand that either, but what that exactly meant. But um, yeah, but, but Hey, to their credit, the thing about it is though, is what I really enjoy about this show is when you see people that, you know, are afraid of water, like Arthur even said, afraid of swimming. This is like, not just a tough task for anyone. This is out of totally out of their comfort zone and she doesn't do it. And they have an express pass. And she's like, no, we're going to do it and does it. And I'm like, you know, one, like fist pump, you know, heck yeah, this is awesome. But then they come out of the leg, they win the leg and they still have their express pass. It's like, oh my goodness, look at this. That's, that's something. And that came from the fact if she had said, I can't do this, I'm using express pass, he would have been like, sure, let's go. And it would, it would have been for sure. They wouldn't have done that. But instead, and they probably still would have finished first either way. But by doing that, that just... There's some toughness there that that um, makes them really good as a team. Yeah. And they're the only team left who has an express pass now. 
Right. And I just, that's going to make a big difference because now they have some margin for error. I mean, you go into next week, it's not anomal- not elimination. And so while I wouldn't suspect they would be the team that's going to get eliminated, I think they're going to be around till the final three and not just because they've won two legs, but um, it's going to really help them because they can use it up to leg seven. So they've still got three more legs to play around with, which probably will help them to avoid going out in those legs. I think they have a very good shot at making the finals, and I'm I'm really happy with my pick. I guess they're a strong team, and I I'm enjoying them, and I'm enjoying I'm enjoying her energy in particular. Like I, I feel like Tanesh is kind of you know how there's many amazing race teams where one person is kind of the star and the other person is the supporting character. I I feel like Arthi is the star of this team personality wise, and Tanesh is just sort of he's sort of backing her up on everything, but. I, she's the one that I think brings the intensity to the to the pair, and she's the one that kind of pops on screen. I agree, and he's a very like what seems to be really good for them is one he's super laid back, which is not exciting for TV, but I think is good for them as a team. And also, he seems to be very good at a variety of things. Like he was really good at the trains, putting the model trains together. This time, the map, she's just like, "This is your thing," and he just sat down, and I'm just like. This is somebody who's physically built who also can do different things. So, but yeah, from a TV perspective, that isn't always the most thrilling. Someone very competent, laid back, nice person, not always what they're trying to go for. You know, um, I could handle laid back, nice person. I don't know about competent at tasks. So he's he's ahead of me. So, you know, and maybe nice person. I'm not sure. But um, you know, I'm not sure about that. I don't want to assume anything here. But um, but yeah, one other thing I want to mention again. I like to mention Lauren and Joanne because they're getting a lot of screen time for a team that's finishing pretty far near the back. And to me, they're a sneaky team that could hang out for a while. And we get a little shot of them like they're swimming and Joanne swimming. And Joanne just gets in the water and just like, Pow! and goes right through. <laughs> so, which, I mean, I mentioned that because Megan and Marie did well too. But they, um, when they don't get lost or do kind of weird things, they're better athletes than I think that... Um, that people might think or they'd see. And so the fact that they blew through that, I still think they have some upside um, possibly to go far. Well, it, it's canon now. They mentioned that they were competitive swimmers back in the day. And I think that was something that was known about them that had not come up on the show yet. So I, I think we haven't seen, we haven't given them enough opportunities to show off that athleticism. So I think we're probably going to see more of that in the future. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, So should we move on to the world's most confusing third grade geography task? (laughs) I I think so. And I think we have to have our favorite recurring segment right now. What word is John pronouncing weirdly and or Canadianly this week? And this week's strange John pronunciation, longitude. Are you sure that no, but the the thing is, again, it's like every time I think, well, maybe that's how it's said in Canada. But no, everyone else said longitude on this episode, from what I could tell. It's just John. I feel like at least one team said longitude, but I could I can't tell if that's weird or if that's Canadian. So um, listeners, enlighten me on this longitude, weird or Canadian. That's that's what I'm calling this segment from here on out. (laughs) It reminds me of Dead or Canadian, the category in MTV's remote control TV show. But uh, I'm getting off track here. But yeah, that's our remote control category, I guess. Weird or Canadian or both, I guess. Or both. You can be both. <laughs> yeah. So 
how much should we give trouble to Sarah and Sam because they're millennials? They don't know. Okay, this task looked kind of hard. And I'm not saying I'm an expert where if you said, okay, but I think we could figure it out. I think we could do it. Them not really even knowing what latitude and longitude are. (laughs) I mean, how much they're not. It's not like I mean, my daughter was watching it. She knows what those are. It's like she's in fourth grade. Like, guys, uh, I know you were trained for the Olympics, but how much trouble should we give them? Well, I think we have to, as we are giving them trouble, I think we have to give them props for their out-of-the-box problem-solving skills. Because I'm not sure I would have thought to just get in a cab and drive around until I find some humans who know what latitude and longitude are. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I mean, they they had they had in a normal leg, they would be the story. All their goofy epic with this whole thing. But that was almost secondary because of all the other stuff. But yeah, the fact that they were just like, let's go find out. And they went to this, um, you know, stumbled into. Well, first they, they went and just found this guy who helped them. Then they went to the task. Wait, is this right? And then they went back and that's where they stumbled at the geology place. Yeah, that's right. So the, the, <laughs> there's too much to figure out. But basically, yeah, they they were pretty much first, even before they really even got going, tried to find out what latitude and longitude were, which I found teams rarely do. That's something they don't do. But then when they struggled, again, went and got more information. So they're like the anti-Dave and Arena with how they handled this. It's true. They took a they took a 30 minute task and turned it into a two hour task. (laughs) (laughs) They probably actually took longer than it would have taken if they had just taken a penalty. But, (laughs) you know, that's neither here or there. But I really enjoyed and the place they went, the people there, super nice, (laughs) super helpful in more ways than one. I really hope they sent them a check after the race. I guess it depends how much they end up winning. But but yeah, I mean, we could talk about this all at once. The fact that they first went to or stumbled to, they did not know. It's not like they said, we need to go find a geosciences place to help us. They stumbled to Aurora Geosciences. And now I'm looking at their website. It's very fancy, actually. And it's actually a place that is not just in, in Yellowknife, but that's where they're stationed. But basically... Go there, get some help, go back, then rock the task because somebody basically took out their own map and explained exactly how latitude and longitude worked. Then, because they drove around so much, did not have enough money for the cab. It's crazy, Jess. It's super crazy. But here's what I want out of the rest of the season. I want the race to continue to go to places where there's an outpost of Aurora Geosciences. And I want Sam and Sarah to visit like every branch. (laughs) I want them to go to the Vancouver branch and the White Horse branch. They probably won't go to Whitehorse now, but I. Th- this is Vancouver. What I yeah. Next week they're going to they're going to Vancouver Island, not Vancouver City. But hey, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if they wind up at another Aurora Geosciences office, I'm. I, that's going to be the most amazing thing that's ever happened on this show. I really loved that they just showed up. Like, what would you do, Dan, if you were like just at work in your cubicle doing your cubicle things and. All of a sudden, like the amazing race shows up and knocks on the door and is like, hey, can you help me with a task? Like, I feel like I have anxiety dreams about this. (laughs) I would just be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to mess this up. What am I going to (laughs) do? And it's crazy. Well, how would you feel on the on the secondary note if then they came back and asked for a bunch of money? (laughs) How would you respond? I would give them money. I don't know if I would give them 65 Canadian dollars, but I would give them some money. 
Oh, come on. You have to give them. And you are being put on the spot here because all of Canada is watching you. The cameras are on you. You've already signed the release. So they're not going to blur your face. So you have to give them all the money in your wallet. You're pretty much stuck. <laughs> I'd be like, I've got a dollar. That's all I have. My wallet has no cash. Let's go to the ATM. Or I don't know if that's allowed under Amazing Race Canada rules to take the players with you to your ATM machine and try and get money for them. But yeah, that was definitely an old school feeling. And despite them not knowing these things, the f- we've seen it. Sarah and Sam now, four episodes, twice have worked with other teams to finish a task, have now done this, have conquered fears. They're so all over the map but yet have this ability, I feel like, to kind of power through. Getting through this is only, and still finishing as high as they did, I think your original pick of them and us kind of spotlighting them, they're not exactly what we thought, but I think their consistency could actually make them get further than a team like Dave and Arena. So are they like another Adam and Courtney kind of team where we looked at them and were like, wow, they're super strong. They got to be our alphas. And then they turn out to be total goofballs and they end up winning anyway. Does lightning strike in the same place in two years in a row? I don't know, because the thing about Adam and Courtney is they were really that that four team race for the pit stop to get eliminated in leg one, which I was losing my mind at that point. But (laughs) of course, my first pick this season got eliminated in leg one. So but basically. I think I don't think Sarah and Sam are as goofy like in that way, but in terms of like their results, there's definitely a similarity there where I think they're just they're competent and they don't seem to get super flustered. Like even though she was freaked out about the roadblock and the ice, she did it. I mean, the fact that, that they powered through it and he's had struggles like that first Lion King one, still got through it back in like one. I don't know. We'll see. We've been I think I don't know if they're going to win, but I don't think they're going out next week either. Yeah, well, I'm hoping not because I want to see them have more misadventures like this. Also, how do you rack up a $245 taxi bill? I mean, I know that gas is more expensive in Canada, but I'm not sure I could rack up $245 in a New York City taxi cab. Like that would involve like going... You'd have to go to the airport five times to pay that much. Yeah. I mean, I went to Hawaii, the like most expensive everything. And from the airport to our hotel was like $50 or something. I mean, it's it was like 30 minutes. So and that's from the airport. Like you said, that's a big upcharge. So basically, I think the guy just I mean, one, I think that drive to Aurora Geosciences was probably pretty long, maybe. And also, two, maybe they went to other places we didn't see. And then three, I wonder, because you saw some people were saying they're, you know, like you can leave the meter on or you can stay. And I wonder if this guy was just really sticking to, I mean, he's not, unlike that other cab driver, he did allow his face to be shown. So I don't think he was doing anything bad, but I think maybe he ran the meter longer or something, or I don't know. It's, We got that question a lot. The only thing I could think of is that they drove around in circles a lot more than we saw. I mean, they must have done a fair amount of driving around in circles. And I think it's it's also worth worth noting that some of the teams let cabs go or, you know, had cabs go on them or had other people take their cabs. So I think maybe Sam and Sarah were kind of an anomaly in that they had the same driver all day and he kept the meter on all day. And 
I saw there were a couple of strategies with this. Like we saw one team tell their driver, okay, we're going to give you a deposit. And if we're not back in 30 minutes, go ahead and count this as your payment and go. I thought that was really smart. I don't think I've seen that before. Yeah, that was really smart. And there was one point where we saw his meter early. It was foreshadowing early in the leg and it was at like $60. But that was much earlier. But yeah, I think your point is right. Because if a team like your Trish and Amy who first got their cab stolen and then their cab left, never had to pay any of those extra fees that they might have had to pay if the cab driver just sat there while they were doing whatever, you know, at the diamonds or whatnot. And this guy seemed to be with them the whole time. I also want to mention, too, that he said he was owed 245 They Then he drove them to Aurora Geosciences. They got the money, drove them back, and only they only gave him 250 So I do think he may have been a good sport and not saying, okay, but now I'm going to turn on the meter when we go back and you're going to owe me whatever more. I mean, unless that geosciences place is really close to where they were, they probably should have owed even more than they paid him. And that assumes they, I don't know how tips work either. So it's like, that guy was probably not super thrilled. Yeah, well, he got to be on TV. And I, I think also thinking this through, if you're in a cab and you get to a task, and you haven't paid the driver yet, and you tell him to wait, and someone else steals your cab, the people that stole your cab are on the hook for your taxi bill. So yeah, maybe you're getting away. Maybe that's another, <laughs> maybe that's an advantage. Maybe that's a hidden, the hidden upside to getting your cab stolen is you don't have to pay him. <laughs> you know, the other people are like, well, we'll pay you double. Okay. <laughs> pay him double. David Arena are the good Samaritans for the other T's by taking their cab and then offering to pay not only their fee, but double their fee, which raises the question of how David Arena ended up with any money left by the end of this. Yeah, And also running out of money is not something that happens very often on Amazing Race Canada. I think we we saw one clue earlier this season where the team's got $900 for one of the legs of the race. And what are you spending $900 on? I mean, you know that it's basically cabs and entrance fees and train tickets and gas and everything else you kind of you cover in a different way. So I don't really understand like and I know it carries over whatever money you have at the end of the leg, you can kind of carry over. So how do you not have that unless he definitely needed cash and they didn't have their ATM card? They don't have a bank sponsor. Maybe they can't go to the ATM. Right. Or maybe it's a situation where Sarah and Sam were just really loose with money in the first three legs. And the other teams also had $250 cab bills, but the other teams had saved better. So it didn't make a difference. Like it fits the story that they drove all around and that's why they had the money. But maybe with just something we hadn't seen where they were just, you know, we saw them eating all those cliff bars. Maybe they were also just eating lots of food the whole time and not really <laughs> thinking in terms of like maybe they're not probably not. I mean, we've kind of pointed out they may not be like amazing race obsessives. So maybe they hadn't thought that much about the money strategy and they just figure we get the money, we spend it every time and that's it. Yeah, they waltz into the airport like I will have your finest filet mignon in the <laughs> airport bar. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's interesting though. I I've there's so many things that are weird about this. The two hundred and fifty dollar cab bill, the driver accepting two hundred and fifty dollars after he drove him around a whole bunch more. Uh, the not having it after you know the race gives them plenty of money. I it's it's all very strange, and I'm glad it worked out for them. But there's so much to unpack with this with this incident here. Yeah. Um. 
It's crazy. And it's, it tells you something just how much with this leg, like you said, no elimination. It was pretty, I mean, I know the two teams were close, but you could kind of see where it was going to have all these things happen. I mean, Megan and Marie finished second. I don't think I've said their name basically at all this entire leg. It's like, oh yeah, they didn't have too much drama. They just kind of went along. You know, it's like all the stuff with the other teams. It's just, I don't know. I like this though. I feel like this is the kind of things you see when you have, when you like season three, they went international early in the season and this team, Nick and Sabrina, which also had a professional athlete. I don't know if it makes a difference, <laughs> but we're so thrown off and we're taking penalties and we're freaking out and doing crazy stuff. And I thought about it a little bit with how Dave and arena were, or even a little bit how Sarah and Sam were. And I just think I look at that and I go, this is kind of like going to an area they're unfamiliar with. Very few of them are used to the cold. You can see the teams that weren't. And it's just created chaos. And I, I hope this continues. I don't know if I want to, we need this every week, but I hope we see more kind of craziness and good leg design that just sets it up for what happened. It, it certainly does. I, I thought a lot about Nick and Sabrina as well. I feel like Nick and Sabrina are like the more inept version of Dave and Arena. Like they were never going to win a leg at all ever, but they had that same sort of weird intensity and weird sense of what is appropriate trash talk. And they had a leg that was identical to this. And you're right, man. I mean, apparently every leg for the rest of the race is going to take place in British Columbia. So this was our equivalent of going out of the country. <laughs> this, this is a different country. Well, sort of. <laughs> Not really. It was very cold. <laughs> They're not in a province, so there's that. That that's very true. But um, but yeah, Nick and Sabrina were they struggled, but you also that season near the end, not as thrilling as the first half. And I don't think it's a coincidence some of the more volatile teams went out. So I'm not saying that we have a Gino and Jesse this season. Thankfully, but we have as much cab stealing as Gino and Jesse. <laughs> yes, who stole two cabs, which he had not mentioned yet. Um, a law in route to winning. So, um, there's a precedent. Not that I'm saying Dave and Arena are going to win, of course. So, Dan, is there anything else we want to touch on, or should we dive into our questions? <laughs> I think we can go to questions. You know, what are we like? You know, we're we're this is going to be a long episode, and I think it's well deserved. Indeed, although I think I want to I want to do like one Dave and Arena question, and then I want to get to some of these other more interesting questions. But I do want to give a shout out to my favorite Twitter handle of all time, Mr. Hot Nuts. He has a different take on Dave and Arena, and I think it's worth unpacking a little bit. So Hot Nuts has has this to say about about this whole situation. Personal opinions on the act of taking the penalty notwithstanding, was Arena and Dave's decisive decision making of both using the express pass and taking the penalty among the shrewdest gameplay in Tar Canada history? Is there even a close second? They arrived at the task, instantly assessed the situation, made their decision, and then never questioned it. This is Rob and Amber and four pounds of meat shrewd. Yeah, so I think there's something to this. I don't think there, I would not put them in the Rob and Amber type of way they think about it. I mean, Rob came into that basically determined to find some way to break the show, partially because he loves being on camera and kind of doing that, but also he really wanted to win. I think this was more of a case where they just got flustered. They did say, oh, it's only two hours, the penalty, and then moved on. I think though, it's hard to, Pull out because their personalities are so different. Yes, Rob is arrogant. Yes, they are, but in completely different ways. 
So to me, and I don't want to just zone in on Robin Amber. I think it, the move, because they finished third, the move was not dumb. It was a smart move. Because the penalty, the express paths, uh, the penalty to me was not a dumb move because they finished where they did. But having to take it was caused by using the express pass in a way. So if they take another penalty, which I think they probably will at some point and survive, it's not dumb because they're still in it. I don't know if I'd say it's the shrewdest move ever, but I think the results show you it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. But I think the one thing I want to point out here is comparing this to Rob and Amber and four pounds of meat. If Rob does not take that penalty, what is the outcome of that situation? They are almost certainly getting eliminated because he can't eat that. He is physically incapable. He's got food issues. We know this about him. He can only eat the crispy <laughs> rice. Uh, that is a situation where they are 100% going home that leg and being a footnote in Amazing Race history if he doesn't find a way to think his way out of this. If Dave and Arena take that roadblock and don't use their express pass, what is the outcome? I, I don't think they were in any danger with either of these tasks of ending up getting eliminated. They could have taken this task. I think we've we've kind of we've discussed it. It's not a comfortable task. Arena could have done that roadblock. It wouldn't have taken her a ton of time. It's not a time consuming thing. She doesn't have to solve a puzzle. And then they have the express pass to burn. I don't think there's any scenario this leg that has them going home unless they do something stupid. So I think that's the difference here. I don't think I don't think you can say it's the shrewdest gameplay ever unless it actually actively saves them from something, which I don't think it did. Now, that's a good point, because I'm looking at a more results based like, well, they finished third, but it's like the whole like two doors idea where basically if you go this way, what happens? If you go this way, what happens? In this case, if they take the other door, like where she does the roadblock and maybe either they use her express pass or power through this, they finish first this way. And they still they may have an express pass or not this way. They finish third and probably luck out because teams had the whole effort to get on the plane and all of that. I know they had to do that, too, but there were extra steps for teams that were behind that made it really hard. That took a lot of time to get through that, I think, too. So, yeah, if you think your way out of a prison of your own devising, that's not as cool as thinking your way out of a prison somebody else has devised for you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so... We've had a lot of people ask about the length of time for the penalty. Now, Kemper Boyd asked, what are your thoughts on the length of time for a penalty? Just to, to refresh, it's, it was two hours because, and this has come up in past seasons, because the two-hour penalty is usually the one teams will take where they survive, as opposed to like a roadblock where it's four hours, which could be more difficult. I don't have a huge problem with the two-hour penalty, just because I feel like I get a little nervous. One, it allows them to make tasks really hard. I don't love the idea of teams taking penalties and surviving as a strategy, but I also don't love the idea of a team taking a penalty and being automatically eliminated, like in the U.S. when they sometimes they would have 24-hour penalties and stuff. What do you think about this? Are you okay with this two-hour penalty, the way it's structured right now? I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's structured the way it needs to be structured. And, you know, we've talked about the kind of the cultural and strategic reasons why taking a penalty is more okay on Amazing Race Canada than it is in Amazing Race U.S. And I think we don't see it, like we've had a couple of seasons, I think season three being a really great example where people were 
taking penalties left and right and like practically not even doing tasks. And I think at that point it does become problematic. But as long as it's a pretty rare occurrence and it's something you can deploy strategically that may or may not help you, I think it's okay. And I think two hours for a group marker task is okay. And the four and six hours are the same here as they are in the U.S. Right. And a lot of it is because Canada has more tasks which actually gives them more more opportunities. Like when you only have two tasks, teams aren't going to really want to take penalties. When you have four, it makes it more likely. And I know we've gone through this. Listeners, go back and listen to our many podcasts from season three and other seasons. You will get long discussions about penalties. But I think we summarized it well. Yeah, there's one more thing. I think I want to point out why there was for a long time, and I do not know if it's still the case. I would have to ask a recent U.S. racer to confirm, but I don't think it's 24 hours for quitting certain tasks on U.S. Amazing Race anymore. But the reason they had that there was because they are running on what feels like a much tighter production schedule. They want to get people in and out of those tasks much more quickly. And they don't really have that same separation where teams can be seven hours behind another team anymore. That just doesn't happen on U.S. Amazing Race. So that 24-hour penalty is there to make sure that nobody quits. If they do quit, they're automatically out. And I don't like that as much. I think this is okay. And I think it made for some interesting drama this leg. So that's my final word on penalties. Now let's ask another question, Dan. Okay. Well, um, here's a very important question from Jessica Frey. Can Arthi and Thinesh only get first place when Dave and Arena watch? Because honestly, that should happen. What do you think about this important question? I, I do like it. I like the reaction shots. And although I don't know if I like the sour grapes of it all. I've, we didn't get any sour grapes this leg, but the first time it happened where they're like, oh, we've already been to Spain. It's okay. Again, that's their example of like, that's not creative <laughs> trash talk. That's just mean. So I but I do I do enjoy a little subtle schadenfreude in situations like that. And it's kind of it's kind of nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I like Jessica Frey's other question here because it, it speaks to something we didn't really talk about. We had Tanesh make this very strange comment out of nowhere during his roadblock. And so Jessica Frey asks to that point, what's the percent chance that Arthi and Tanesh get engaged on the race? What with that comment during the roadblock? I think it's fairly high. I wouldn't say 100% because I feel like we haven't heard. We've heard that, you know, they like to fight. But then there was a point early in the show where she said something like, we're new in a new relationship. And I was like, it's been two years, you know. But um, but so that's kind of like that doesn't seem to connect with this one. So I give it about 50-50 is my odds right now because I think it could be a setup especially given how long they've been together and that they seem to have a good relationship, but it could also just be just a comment that they show, you know, because there are a lot of those too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it, it kind of passes for snarky comments this season. Nobody here is particularly funny and snarky. I think they were counting on Jet and Dave to carry that weight and oops. So I think it was just one of those funny throwaway lines. Yes, I agree. So um, another question that since I haven't mentioned them much, comes from AMS. I feel we've gotten a conspicuous amount of personal content on Megan and Marie without them leaving. Do you think this is point of them ultimately winning the season or are they just major slash potentially fan favorite characters? That's a good point. We've gotten quite a lot of Megan and Marie. Um, I feel like there have been teams in the past where they're just doing okay. They're doing like medium well and 
we still get to hear all about their families every week. I think Mickey and Pete were a great example of that. And you know how Mickey and Pete did. Yeah. And actually, this, you know, when we have some of these front running teams, that that could be a good template. And Megan and Marie did say when they um, when they got to the pit stop and finished second, there was a an interview where they said, and now we're all set to take over the race. And I kind of laughed like, yeah, OK, that's like when Trish and Amy said we're, we're going to finish first this week. And I was like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So maybe it'll be that. But maybe there's another answer. I mean, we heard about do it for Jonesy. We heard about her breaking her neck. It could just be they had, they fit the theme, which we've heard nothing about of second chances that I talked about in the preview. But maybe maybe we're going to ramp that up soon. I don't know. Yeah, or it could be they just really have an interesting story. And maybe it's just that much more interesting than everybody else's. I, I can't imagine so, because I think given what we know about a lot of these teams, there's a lot more that we could be mining. but. I do think it's worth noting that Megan and Marie have gotten an inordinate amount of background information. Yeah, I agree. So are there other questions? I like this one because this is sort of tangentially a question that I think we haven't discussed that I'm interested to get your take on. So Lindsay wants to know, I'm curious if teams have to play up the idea of being sad and emotional about the possibility of being eliminated at long non-elimination legs. If I was a super fan at the spot and John said that I was the last team to arrive, they let me talk. I would know I was not going. That's interesting. I, you know, I totally as a viewer can spot it because he, Phil does the same thing, but John does that. He even, he even puts the, I'm sorry at the front. Like normally he'll say, you know, Trish and Amy, you're the last team to arrive. I'm sorry to tell you you've been eliminated from the race. But this, he said, Trish and Amy, I'm sorry to tell you you're the last team to arrive. And then said, so what happened out there? And John, not not a very good actor, I'm sorry to say. He still needs some work here. It was a little obvious, but I don't know. Maybe if you're like a real super fan, but I could still see personally, I could see being so wrapped up in the, oh my gosh, we're last, my dreams being crushed, that I would completely forget about what John was even saying. All I would hear was last. And then start talking and thinking, oh, my gosh, it's over. How do I respond to this? I'm on TV. I just got just failed. I think it's pretty rare that it, I mean, we've seen it in the past where teams kind of seem to know, but I don't know. I feel like when the legs are hard enough and it's kind of emotionally draining enough, teams are thinking about it. Am, am I am I missing it? Is it because it's obvious to viewers, but would it really be obvious to them on the mat? Well, I think yes and no. I think in the middle of it, you really aren't thinking about that. But I also think I've heard secondhand and firsthand from so many racers who write down every single thing that happens and who have seen every episode and who know the rhythms of the race in and out. Like, I feel like a Tyler and Corey type team, for instance, is going to be anticipating where those non-elimination legs are and is going to be thinking about it. Like, maybe not even in the sense of like, they're the last team to arrive, but in the sense of, I bet nobody goes home this week and the next morning in the airport, sure enough, everybody's there. So I think it has to be at least in the back of their minds during the downtime that, oh, well, there's been three legs and nobody has been eliminated yet. I bet we're coming up on a non-elimination leg. And I think you and I sit here from the comfort of our podcasting studios and we say the same thing. I bet this is a non-elimination leg. It just seems like it's the right time. And I have to imagine some of the teams that are super fans would think about that, maybe not in the heat of the moment. and. Maybe not when it's negative eight degrees outside and they've just been running around Yellowknife all day and 
they've witnessed, they've had their cab stolen and they're, they've done all these grueling tasks and they know they're in the back of the pack. I think that would probably go right out the window at the point. I think when teams are on the mat, they are legitimately sad when they think they're going home. When they think they're in last place, regardless whether it's a non-elimination, like I think that emotion is always genuine. I don't think anybody's that good of an actor. Right. You definitely wasn't the case with Trish and Amy that they, you could tell that they were just giddy and it kind of resigned themselves on that long plane ride that they were going to be, be last and probably eliminate and probably eliminated. And uh, though I will say both of us called this was a non-elimination leg last week. So as a viewer, because there's only 10 teams, you get to a point where it's like, you can't have three non-elimination legs in a row. You, you know, I don't know how many in a row they, I mean, I guess this could have been one more and then they do it. But then it would have they would have had like three and five weeks or something, which would have been painful on the viewer. So this seemed like the natural right spot to do it. And then you kind of get into the situation where maybe it's every other week or maybe you have a double leg or whatnot. But um, yeah, I couldn't see them going to six in the first four weeks. So it seemed to make sense to me. I have one more question for you, though. Very okay. important question from the Melissa bot. Did John get into the cold water? We did not see it. Was he in the water? Is this the first task that John has not performed on camera? I think so. I mean, I don't know if he did anything with the diamonds, but anything physical or outside, I feel like he's always doing it. So I think he was, af- I think he was afraid of the water. I can't imagine he was afraid, but I think maybe there was not as much time for setup on this. Like maybe he just had to get in and out and do his standups and that was it. Well, I also noticed he had a very weird laugh. When Dave and Arena were talking about the express pass, it was like he was like forcibly going like, ha, 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 ha. And go if you have the ability, listeners, to go back and was it's frightening, you know, just clip it. So I think maybe he, while he was laughing, he was thinking like, yeah, I wouldn't do that either. I'm with the arena. That's why he laughed weirdly because he didn't feel very. Um, this is this fan fiction. <laughs> do we have that fan drop? Fan fiction. <laughs> you know what? You know what? He's on Twitter. He follows us. I'm, I'm going to tweet at him. I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I'll let you know next week. Well, the Melissa bot did add him when she asked the question. <laughs> I don't think he responded to the tweet, though. I'll have to double check, but I think you might have better luck. Yeah, well, I'll just reply to that tweet and be like, OK, how about it, John Monty? <laughs> I think so. This is the this is what we're here for. This is the most important thing we need to figure out. You know, the teams, what they're going to do. That's nice. Was John in the water? That is the question. Well, if John doesn't get in the water, I might as well be watching Phil Kogan. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Phil's not going to do that. Phil's like probably got a mobile heating unit that follows him around in a cold place like this. He's he's not doing this. Phil's got like somebody with an umbrella following him around <laughs> to shield him from the sun. And wipe off his like brow when it gets too warm with like a cold towel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think I'm good at questions. I think I think we've we've pretty much nailed down this this really fun episode. Yes, I think we had so much to talk about this this episode, and I think we've done an admirable job of unpacking everything that happened without too much focus on Dave and Arena, and without like making a sweeping moral judgment on whether they are good or bad. I think they are good TV, and I enjoy them on the show, and I I think. They will not dominate the entire season. I, I think in the weeks to come, we will be able to talk about every other team with just as much enthusiasm. Okay, maybe that's exaggerating, but we'll talk about every team with some enthusiasm. So speaking of enthusiasm, 
One of the most enthusiastically asked questions that we get here at the Amazing Race Canada wrap up is, how do I watch the Amazing Race Canada if I'm not Canadian? And I'm here to tell you that all you got to do is buy a plane ticket every week, like get one of those punch cards on Porter Air and fly into Toronto every week and watch it on Tuesday nights live like everybody else. No, that's all right. Uh, you can do that. I'm not judging you if you do, but there's probably easier ways to do it. The most practical piece of advice that I can give you is that you should become a patron of Rob Has a Podcast because RHAP patrons receive a number of great perks, including access to a secret patron-only Facebook group where frequently people share links as soon as they have access to them. And we also discuss various strategies um, to access the program. And naturally, CTV, if you want to lift your geo-blocking and just let us watch it and watch your ads, I'll go back to Canada and patronize every single one of your advertisers. But since you're not doing that, we got to do what we got to do. So if you are not Canadian and you want to be watching the show on the regular, the best thing you can do is become a patron and we'll share everything we know. So if you like our show, I hope you've subscribed. You can find new episodes of this podcast in the Reality TV Rehap Ups feed or in the Rob Has a Podcast Amazing Race feed. We love getting feedback and reviews from all of our listeners and we hope that you will rate and review us in the podcatcher of your choice. That helps us out, helps other people find the podcast. You can leave a comment on the page for this episode on RobHasWebsite.com if you have some detailed feedback about our breakdown of this episode. Or you can find us on social media and add us there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HaymakerHattie. And I am at the Dan Heaton. And if you like hearing me talk about cool stuff, I also do a podcast about theme parks called the Tomorrow Society Podcast, which is mostly an interview show with experts and former Imagineers about Walt Disney World and other places. And also a few trip reports. And my one coming up is a trip report of going to Silver Dollar City near Branson, Missouri. And that one will be out <laughs> next week. I took my two daughters and we had a fun time. So look for that next week and you can find out more at tomorrowsociety.com. Dan, can I come on and give a trip report sometime? Oh, for sure. That would, that would be a lot of fun. And I know you are a big traveler to the theme park world. So that would be good. I would love to give my extended rant on why you should take your toddler to Universal and not Disney. I don't know if that's violating some kind of tomorrow society code but not at all i love universal i would totally talk about that i have lots of opinions we'll have to make that happen sometime and i am out there in the podcast world in a few different places right now uh josh wiggler and i got together last night to talk about the first season half of this season of fear the walking dead and all of the strangeness and disjointed storytelling that took place there and then we also took the opportunity to talk about Walking Dead Prime and the as yet unnamed Walking Dead spinoff that is yet to come, the Rick Grimes movie and lots of other Walking Dead trivia. And that should be hitting post-show recaps sometime in the next couple of days. I believe it's in editing right now. So that was quite a bit of fun. And then if you want to read things I write, I'm writing some things over at primetimer.com. And on Monday, I have an article dropping about two shows that are coming up on Netflix uh, called Working Moms and The Letdown. And they're kind of very similar premises. And I kind of get into what's the same and different and which one you should take on first. And that was a lot of fun to write. Um, so don't forget to check out everything else that's happening in the Rob is a Podcast universe. Our coverage of Big Brother is never ending. And we're also covering lots of other great shows that I am sure you would enjoy. Uh, we have some Survivor International seasons. We have Are You the One? We have Love Island. It's 
something for everybody, really, as long as what you want is reality TV. And if you like scripted TV, go on over to Post Show Recaps, where we're covering um, Big Little Lies, Stranger Things. I believe there's something coming up about the Netflix series Dark. So really, there's no end to great things there. So that's our show. I'd like to thank Dan Heaton, as always, for joining me on this incredible Canadian journey, Canada's favorite summer adventure. Rob Sestrinito for giving us a platform, Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes, all the patrons and all of our listeners around the world. Take care, everyone. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>